Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's happening, everybody? Greg Ehrenberg here from Stochastic.com, and it is time to break down another UFC event. We got Rafael Dos Anjos taking on Vicente Luque in the main event this Saturday, so going to be breaking down all the fights here in a second. But first, I'm just going to ask you guys a favor to like the video and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And shout out to DraftKings Rainmakers. They are sponsoring today's show. And if you guys have not checked out Rainmakers yet at DraftKings, there's a link below. You guys can click on that. It's going to get you a totally free starters pack for their PGA product. And yeah, let's start breaking down the fights. But uh, first, recap of last weekend. I've been on a really hot run as of late. And it continued. Last week, getting some of the data on screen here. And yeah, so uh, I won the rare contest for Rainmakers last week, which that's always nice. And in addition to that, I won all my bets from the video last week. We had two plus money bets on Carlston Harris and on Cody Durden. Also had Billy Q on the money line. That got a little bit dicier than I would have hoped for, but still went three for three on bets in the video. Also added in Carlston Harris at longer odds during the during the fight. It was one that I put into our Discord channel. And if you guys ever want more access to myself, we do have our Discord channel, which comes with being a Stochastic Plus Platinum member. Or if you guys just want the MMA package, there's a link below. When you guys sign up for the first time, you're going to get a pretty big discount there, 50% off. So if you want to sign up for any of the packages we have at all over at Stochastic.com, we've got links for that below. And if you're signing up for the Platinum package, you're going to get player projections, ownership, and all that for every single DFS sport out there. But now let's start breaking down this week's event. And we have the main event, Vicente Luque taking on Rafael Dos Anjos. We will start by talking about this fight. And it's really hard for me to make any kind of real determination here because of just some of the storylines, the untangibles, the unknowns heading into this fight. For starters, Rafael Dos Anjos really shouldn't be fighting at this weight class. He's a 155-pounder. Fighting at 170 pounds, we've seen him do that more in the later stages of his career as the weight cut has gotten difficult for him. So he's going to be undersized in this matchup. He has a three-inch height disadvantage against Vicente Luque. He also has a five-inch reach disadvantage. And then also Vicente Luque is just going to generally be bigger bigger and stronger, which is going to be an issue for Rafael Dos Anjos, especially when you consider he's 38 years old, is already going to be turning 39 later on in the year. So his age is a concern. Now on the other side of the fight, Vicente Luque. He is somebody who's been in numerous wars over the course of his UFC career. If you go and look at some of his recent results, gets knocked out by Jeff Neal. The fight against Bilal Muhammad, he loses. He doesn't take a whole lot of damage in that fight. Quick submission against Michael Chiesa. The fight against Tyron Woodley, the final fight of Woodley's UFC career, you have to remember, that fight was an absolute war before Luke ended up getting the finish. Luke was hurt multiple times on the feet. The fight against Randy Brown, 
That was one where there was a lot of damage handed out back and forth. Vicente Luque against Nico Price. That was a war. He got beat up by Wonderboy Thompson. So there's just been a lot of fights we've seen Luque in that he's taken a ton of damage. And then what ends up happening? In his last fight, we finally saw him break and get knocked out by Jeff Neal. He had never been knocked out before. And then there's a really long layoff. The reason Luque had such a long layoff after that fight is because he suffered a brain hemorrhage after that result. So bleeding in his brain... I'm not a doctor, but that doesn't sound great. That's not something you want to hear the doctor say to you. And I just don't know what to make of the age of RDA, the fact that he's undersized. And then also just where is Vicente Luque at health-wise after suffering the long layoff resulting from that brain hemorrhage? So this this betting line right now is set it close to a pick We've got RDA is the slightest of favorites and minus 115 at the time I'm recording this on Friday, shortly after weigh-ins. And... I just don't really have a strong lean here. I think it's a great fight to target for DFS purposes, and whoever wins should score really well. Both these two are generally action fighters. Both of them landed a decent clip, and then RDA also could mix in the takedowns. And here's how I think the fight goes. If RDA is able to land takedowns, I think he's going to be the minute winner in this fight. I think he's live for a submission as well. If he's not able to land the takedowns, I think Luke knocks him out and just puts a lot of volume up on the feet. So it should be a close competitive fight. I can see it going either way. I'll lean towards Luke if I have to take a side just because it's a little bit cheaper for DraftKings purposes. And he's also expected to be a little bit lower owned. If I'm looking at our ownership projections right here, we have Luke projected for 33% ownership as compared to 36% ownership for RDA. So close fight, play both sides of it. I'm going to be like 55, 45 in favor of Luke. Uh, but definitely one we want to target for Rainmakers as well as for DraftKings contests when the price point is 8200 and 8000 uh, But no real strong take on who I think is going to win because of all the unknowns in the fight. Co-main event, we have what is likely going to be the final fight of Cub Swanson's career taking on Mean Hakeem Dawadu. And another fighter in Cub Swanson where similarly to what I just talked about with RDA in the main event, you start to get concerned about the age and the durability here of Cub Swanson, 39 years old, going to be turning 40 later on in the year. And he did not look great in his last fight against Jonathan Martinez. He gets finished in the second round, gets knocked down twice, and just was hurt everywhere. It actually ended up being a leg kick knockout that did him in. And you just start to worry with a guy like Cub Swanson, considering all of the damage he's taken, which by the way, same thing happened. Giga Chikadze fight, it wasn't a leg kick, but it was a body kick that just absolutely folded Cub in that matchup. Just considering the wear and tear on him, he is, of the big favorites on the card, we've got a handful of them. Hakeem Dawadu, I do think, has one of the tougher matchups just because Cub Swanson does have a really well-rounded skill set, but I do think the durability and the age of Cub Swanson is going to be an issue. So I don't mind taking some shots on Cub in large field tournaments for classic DraftKings contests. Don't want to play him in Rainmakers purposes. My preferred side here is Dawadu, who I do think is going to hurt and finish Cub Swanson at some point in this fight, just due to all that accumulated damage that Cub Swanson has taken at this point. Another fight here, Khalil Roundtree Jr. against Chris Daukas. Now, of the sizable favorites that we could pay up for today, the two that are projected for the least amount of ownership are Khalil Roundtree and Hakeem Dawadu. Both of them projected for right around 30% ownership in our stochastic ownership projections at the moment. And of the two of them, I prefer Roundtree to Dawadu because another fighter in Chris Daukas have to be really concerned about the durability. He's going to be moving down to light heavyweight from heavyweight in his last few heavyweight results have been terrible. 
He gets knocked out in three minutes by Derek Lewis, gets knocked out in the second round by Curtis Blades, who's not really known as much of a striker, and then also gets finished by Jarzinho Rosenstrike in 23 seconds when they ended up matching up against each other. So you just look at these results, and Rosenstrike just blitzed them and took him out of there immediately. And I do think Roundtree could do a lot of the same. The only concern I have with Roundtree is that there are times that this dude looks absolutely unbeatable, and you go like, oh, he looks like he is championship caliber type material. There are times he goes out, he looks mean. He's in there hunting for the finish. He's looking to hurt guys. And then you see other fights where Khalil Roundtree takes on opponents like like Marcin Prakniel and just does nothing. 49 significant strikes landed over a three-round decision. Fights Justin Nicobe does next to nothing. Lands 85 significant strikes over the course of three rounds. It was a fight that I thought Dustin Jacoby fairly cleanly won. The judges gave it to Khalil Roundtree. That aside, you never know what version of Roundtree is going to show up. Here's what gives me added confidence, though. If you guys saw Khalil Roundtree on the scale today, he looked as shredded as he's ever looked in his entire career. Is he clean? Is he able to pass a steroid test? Almost certainly not with how he looked on the scale. But guess what? Doesn't matter because he's going to make it into the fight for tomorrow. Maybe he fails a steroid test next week. But for now, he's good to go. He looked great on the scales today, which I think should give us a little bit of insight onto what his mindset is and how his training and preparation was for this fight. So I'm hoping that we get the Khalil Roundtree who showed up against Carl Roberson and not the Khalil Roundtree who showed up against Marcin Prakniel. Because if that guy shows up, the one who just absolutely beat the living shit out of Carl Roberson, we are going to get a fairly quick finish, in my opinion, from Khalil Roundtree. So I like him as a payup option. Also really like him in Rainmakers. I think there's a massive amount of upside here on Roundtree. And as for Daukas, like I think he's a talented fighter who's well-rounded. I just don't trust the durability of a guy who has made it no further than a few seconds into the second round over the course of the last couple of years of his fight. So Khalil Roundtree, I'm going to take him to win here by first round knockout and uh, somebody who I like a pretty good amount for DraftKings purposes. Next fight here, Pollyanna Viana against Yasmin Lucindo. Not a fight that I have a massive amount of interest in. Just from this standpoint, Pollyanna Viana is very dependent on getting finishes to win fights because she's primarily a grappler who doesn't wrestle. She only lands 0.8 takedowns per 15 minutes. She also only has a 33% takedown accuracy. And then she's going to be taking on a fighter here in Yasmin Lucinda, who I just think is a very well-rounded fighter, who I really think is a prospect that could be a contender in the future. Here's the issue I have with Lucinda herself for DraftKings purposes. Super low output on the feet. In her last fight against Brogan Walker, it was very apparent early on in that fight that she had advantages everywhere, and she just didn't really do much with them. She lands four takedowns, 53 significant strikes. I really felt that she could have finished Walker at any point in that time, and she just kind of played it relaxed. Didn't get aggressive, didn't really put much output out there. And we kind of saw that as well in our matchup against Yasmin Uruguay, where, you know, I do think Uruguay is a pretty good prospect in her own right. We have some concerns about her durability after what happened to her against Denise Gomes in her last fight, but still another fight where Lucinda only landed 66 significant strikes in that matchup. So here's how I think this fight plays out. I think Lucindo does not want to go to the ground with Viana. I think she wants to keep this at a distance on the feet, and I think she outpoints her to a victory. So here's how I like to play this fight. Don't really like it all that much for DraftKings purposes, but Lucindo, plus 160 to win by decision, is a line that is currently available at a handful of books. The best available line, as I'm looking on my screen, other screen, I should say, 
plus 160 is available at Betway. Where was it that had it by decision? Um, yeah, so plus one, plus 165 at Betway. And there's also, I like, I don't mind betting her plus 120 to win by decision. That's what DraftKings and FanDuel has also at the time I'm recording. But the best available line is plus 165 over at Betway. And I think that that's the most likely path to victory for Lucindo. I'm picking her to win, pick her to win by decision based on just the low output we've seen in some of her recent fights. Now, we've got two fights to talk about here that I'm not sure if they're going to happen at the time that I'm recording. Uh, Tefan Chukwi, he missed weight by two pounds, and then Josh Fremd missed weight by three pounds, and I just had to record this video to get it out. So at the time I'm talking about this, I don't know whether these fights are actually going to go forward or not. For the purpose of talking about the video, I'm going to assume these fights do happen, and I'll talk a little bit about the weight misses, but it's kind of hard to know exactly how they are going to impact the fight. But as far as Dobson versus Chukwe goes as a fight, it's already one that I didn't really have a mass amount of interest in. It's in the mid-range, which you know, does offer us some salary savings, but it's also priced right around the RDA Vicente Luque fight. And that's fight I'm going to be all in on. I'm going to have exposure to the main event, all of my lineups. I'm going to have, like I said, like 55% Luque, 45% RDA. If that's a fight I'm targeting in the mid range, I just don't really see a need to get to a whole bunch of Dobson against Nchukwe, especially considering some of the unknowns surrounding the weight miss. And then who knows what ends up happening if this fight even does go forward. At least as of now, we do have Dobson projected for 21% ownership and then Nchukwe projected for 25% ownership. If I had to take a side, I'll go with Dobson for the salary savings, but not really a fight that I have all that much interest in. If I'm going to add one other thing to the mix here as well, we've seen Nchukwe hurt and knocked out multiple times over the course of his career. So I do think that Dobson, his path to victory is probably more likely to be a knockout, whereas Chukwe's path to victory is probably more likely to be a decision. So with that in mind, I do think that there is more upside on the Dobson end of the fight, but still, not one that I have a mass amount of interest in. Josh Fremd against Jamie Pickett. Like I said, Fremd missed weight by three pounds, which does leave this fight uh, a little bit precarious as to whether it happens or not. If it does go forward, I think there's a lot of fantasy upside for Fremd in this matchup. I'm not massively impressed with Jamie Pickett as a fighter. And what we saw from Fremd in his last fight against Cedricus Dumas, he looked fairly well-rounded. He came out. He was able to land takedowns. He was also able to outstrike Dumas 33 significant strikes to 20. And uh, that was a fight where Dumas was a really big favorite. I think that Fremd, if I remember correctly, was somewhere around like a plus 180 to plus 200 on the money line at the opening line there. And he looked like he should have been a minus 250 or minus 300 or so favorite in that spot and really just dominated Dumas everywhere. And once he got the fight to the ground, he was able to held dominant top control four minutes and 27 seconds of control time in a fight that ended in the second round. So uh, friend, I think this is a spot where he could do a lot of the similar stuff he did against Dumas. I think we could also see him do it against Pickett. So Josh Fremd, I think he's a very good target for both Rainmaker's purposes and for classic contests. He's one of the biggest favorites on the card. And I do think it makes a good amount of sense in Josh Fremd. A little bit of unknown due to the weight miss, but I don't think that's going to be something that should make us favor Pickett or anything like that in this spot. Next matchup, JP Bays against Marcus McGee. If you're going to ask me who I'm most confident in winning of the, on the entire card of any fighter, I'm going to say Marcus McGee. So if you have cards within Rainmaker's purposes, he's a pretty easy fighter to go out and prioritize for that purpose. He's also the most expensive fighter on the secondary market for Rainmakers, which also makes sense because Marcus McGee has excellent takedown defense. We've only seen him fight once in the UFC. 
And that was against Journey Newsom. He took that fight on short notice. He really, really hurt Newsom multiple times on the feet. And Newsom, who had a presumed grappling and wrestling advantage in the fight, was just not able to get down the bigger and more physical McGee down to the mat. So what happens? He defends all the takedowns and then eventually just breaks Journey Newsom, even though he was the fighter coming in on short notice. So Newsom ended up attempting six takedowns, went 0 for 6 on his takedown attempts. And I kind of think if we see Bay's win, it would have to be via the wrestling and grappling. And I don't think he's as good of a wrestler and grappler as Journey Newsom is. And J.P. Bays gets hurt a ton in his fight. So we look at J.P. Bays' UFC career. He fights against Cody Durden, gets knocked out in the first round, a minute and eight seconds. Fights against Montel Jackson, lasts to decision, but gets knocked down four times, also taken down four times in that matchup. Then against Bruno Silva, he gets knocked down three times and finished in the second round. So altogether, eight knockdowns of J.P. Bays over the course of, let's see, what is this, four, nine minutes. In the last nine minutes he has fought in the UFC, he's gotten knocked down eight times. He's getting knocked down about once per minute. And now you got a guy with massive power in Marcus McGee, gets a finish in his UFC debut on short notice. He took that fight on like four or five days notice, did McGee. So I think this is a really good spot for McGee. I like him to hurt and finish J.P. Bays. And considering how some of Bays' other fights have gone, where we've seen him not always get knocked out the first time his chin has gotten touched, like three knockdowns against Silva, four knockdowns in the fight against Montel Jackson, I think that we could see Marcus McGee land two, three knockdowns before he act, before he ultimately gets J.P. Bays out of there. So Marcus McGee, going to take him to win by knockout as well. Really good payup option for DraftKings purposes. And for Rainmakers, where we don't have to worry about any kind of salary cap, he's a very obvious target and one we should consider for the captain spot as well. Terrence McKinney against Mike Breeden. If you guys are familiar with Terrence McKinney fights, here's how it goes. He fights balls to the wall for the first three, four minutes. He either gets a finish in those first three, four minutes, or he doesn't, he gasses out and gets finished himself at the end of the first round or the early second round. So Terrence McGee, uh, sorry, did I say McGee? Terrence McKinney. Terrence McKinney fights against Nazim Sadikov in his last fight and looks decent in the first round. And then what happens? Gasses, gets finished in the second round. Fights against Ishmael Bonfim. That was one Bonfim just had advantages everywhere and just ends up smashing Terrence McKinney. McKinney also did try to be a little bit more reserved in that matchup to preserve that cardio that's been an issue for him in other fights and it just didn't matter he still gassed in the second round which is why he came out in the Sadikov fight and said that he was going to get back to fighting more aggressively in the first round which he did land a couple takedowns but ultimately wasn't able to get the finish quick finish here against Eric Gonzalez fights against Drew Dober knocks Drew Dober down early but then Drew Dober rallies back and finishes Terrence McKinney late in the first round after McKinney starts to slow down and then fights also here against Veras against Faraz Zayim and finishes him within two minutes. So uh, Mike Breeden, really low-level opponent, and uh, both McKinney and Breeden are on losing streaks. McKinney, as we see here, two losses in a row, has lost three of his last four fights, whereas Mike Breeden has lost all three of his fights within the UFC. And uh, I'm not really exactly sure how he ends up getting a contract after losing on the Contender Series, but neither here nor there. Mike Breeden is a super low-level opponent. McKinney is taking this fight on short notice, so we have to be a little wary of his gas tank, at least to the point where I don't think we should fully fade Mike Breeden in DFS tournaments because if McKinney doesn't get that early finish, Breeden likely ends up winning just based on what we've seen out of McKinney. But I think McKinney wins this probably in the first minute or two, especially because of some of the issues that we've seen with the defensive wrestling of Mike Breeden. Taken down nine times by Natan Levy in his last fight. We know that is what Terrence McKinney looks to early in his fights. 
looks to get aggressive with the wrestling and grappling. So I think that's what happens. McKinney gets a takedown like 20, 30 seconds into the fight, finds a submission, potentially ground and pound, and gets Mike Breeden out of there in the first couple minutes. So McKinney by first round submission. That's going to be my pick in this fight. Another guy who's a really high priority target for DraftKings Classic Contest, as well as for Rainmakers. And I'll take a few stabs at Breeden in large field tournaments just because McKinney took this fight on short notice and we've seen him gas out before. We have a fight here. The next one to talk about, Francis Marshall against Isaac Dolgarian. And it is really hard to know what to make of this fight. There's a lot of fights on this card that are, you know, kind of hard to know what to make of due to various circumstances that like Dolgarian, for instance, here are his career fights. He is 5-0 and as a professional. Those fights ended in a minute 13, 2 minutes and 49 seconds, 35 seconds, a minute 45 seconds, and 2 minutes and 18 seconds. And then you go look at his amateur career. He is 3-0 as an amateur. Those fights ended in a minute 13, a minute 29, a minute 55. He has faced very low-level competition to this point and zero resistance. So by far, Francis Marshall, who I'm not super high on, is going to be the stiffest test of Dolgarian's career. So what happens if Dolgarian does not get a finish within the first minute or two minutes of this fight? Because like we just said, reading off his career fights here, Dolgarian's longest fight he's ever had is two minutes and 49 seconds. Something else that's a little bit of a concern as well. Dolgarian has not fought in a year and a half. His last fight was February 6th of 2022. So what has he been doing during the layoff? We don't know. Has he made improvements? You would hope so. He's very young, but there's still a lot of unknowns here. And the same goes for the Francis Marshall side. He's seven and one as a professional, doesn't have that much experience. And he looked terrible in his last fight against William Gomes. He only landed 15 significant strikes in a fight that ended up going to the judges scorecards. So I'm not super high on Francis Marshall, but there's so many unknowns on the Dolgarian side that if he doesn't finish Francis Marshall in the first couple minutes of the fight, does Dolgarian gas out? It's possible. We've never seen him fight deeper than that into fights. So I think this is a really good fight to target for both DraftKings Classic Contest and Rainmakers, but it's hard for me to really have a strong lean because of all the unknowns and the inexperience of both fighters here. And also combined the fact that Francis Marshall looked terrible in his last fight. So I'm going to be playing about equal sides of this fight across my lineups and the current odds on this fight to finish inside the distance. It is at the time I'm recording. Minus 225 to minus 210 to finish inside the distance. So mid-range fight, one that's fairly high priority for me. And one of the reasons also to backtrack on a fight, AJ Dobson against Tefan Chukwi. If I already like the main event a ton, and then I also like the Francis Marshall, Isaac Dolgarian fight, there's not that much room for me to target other mid-range fights. So I do like this one quite a bit to target, but no real strong lean because of the unknowns. Josh Parisian against Martin Budai. I favor Budai pretty much everywhere in this fight, but he has extremely boring fights and he does next to nothing in them. So if you look at Budai, he has never landed a takedown in the UFC. Most of what he does is low output striking on the feet and will also push guys up against the cage and get some cage control time in that way. So if you look at his fight against Chris Barnett, for instance, we saw him have seven minutes and 44 seconds of control time and all of it was due to him pushing Barnett up against the cage and then just stalling out positions and doing absolutely nothing. So I think that's probably what this fight looks like as well. Budai is not a bad grappler. So if he actually decides to shoot takedowns, he is live for a submission. But how can we project that to happen when he's landed zero takedowns and not even attempted one throughout the entire course of his USC career? So this is not a fight that I really want to be targeting. 
Three fights left here to target. The next one, Jacqueline Amarim against Montserrat Conejo. And uh, Conejo is not somebody that I am high on at all. Her one win in the UFC comes against Cheyenne Velismus, who, uh, ironically enough, used to be married to J.P. Bays, who's also fighting on this card. Uh, and that was a fight where she just kind of got these, like, head and arm throws on Vlismus and then got her into like a bulldog choke and was just able to hold top control and stall out rounds that way. And we've seen her do basically nothing outside of that during the course of her UFC career. And Amarim is a very, very well-credentialed wrestling grappler. The downside of Amarim, which we saw in her UFC debut against Sam Hughes, is that she was extremely dominant in the first round, nearly got a finish, and then had no cardio once the second round finished. So you do have to get a little concerned if this fight gets extended past the first round. What does Amarim have left in the gas tank? I do hope that she's made some improvements based on what ended up happening in her last fight. And the good thing is, based on what her skill set we saw in the first round, she did look good as far as her skills and how they should translate to the octagon. So as long as she's worked on her cardio, I think that she shouldn't have any issues with Coneo in this matchup. The other thing, too, is she might just go out here, wrestle, grapple, and then finish Conejo in the first round. So Amarim, I think, is a really good-looking payup target. And as for our current ownership projection on her, she is projected for, let's see, Amarim, 36% ownership. So she she is a little bit less popular than, like, the Fremd and Marcus McGee and Terrence McKinney. Those fighters are all around 40% ownership. And then fighters like Khalil Roundtree, Jacqueline Amarim, they're in, like, the mid to low 30% range. So that is a one way to differentiate lineups a little bit is go to like an Amarim or a Roundtree as opposed to, you know, a McGee, a McKinney or a friend. But I think all of these high end options are worth consideration, just kind of rotating them through some lineups. Damon Blackshear against Jose Johnson. I think it's a really good matchup for Blackshear because if you look at the takedown defense of Jose Johnson, 30% for his UFC career, and we know what Damon Blackshear is going to look to do in this fight, which is wrestle and grapple. We saw him look pretty good against Juan Lacerda by doing that in his last fight, and we've seen Jose Johnson taken down 12 times in his contender series fight against Ronnie Lawrence. Ronnie Lawrence, who's taken a sabbatical from fighting due to issues with uh, health and staff infections, and then a follow-up fight for Jose Johnson on the contender series. He ends up winning that fight, but he got taken down six times. So we've now seen two fights for Jose Johnson, both on the contender series, and he was taken down 18 times across those two fights. So with that in mind, Damon Blackshear, I do think he's somebody that we should definitely be considering also as a payup option. And Blackshear is uh, trying to think like how I want to prioritize the high-end fighters because Blackshear isn't going to be quite as popular as some of the other payup options. But I don't feel quite as confident in him as I do, say, like a Marcus McGee or a Josh Frem. So I put him in the same tier as like a Khalil Roundtree, where I do think there's a lot of scoring potential. But you do get concerned that Blackshear has been inconsistent at times. Maybe he just doesn't show up for this fight. So a little bit of caution here because he didn't look great in the fight against Yusuf Salal. Didn't look great against Fareed Basharat, but Basharat is a really good prospect. And then he bounced back and looked really good against Lacerda. But Blackshear, I'm going to pick to win. And I do think he's pretty live for a submission and a big fantasy score based on how many times we've seen Jose Johnson taken down over the course of his UFC career. Final fight on the card, Juliana Miller against Luana Santos. And Juliana Miller looked absolutely terrible in her last fight against Veronica Hardy, formerly Veronica Maceda. She's now married to Dan Hardy. But... Juliana Miller, who looks like she's going to be picking up just about no ownership this week, 
We have Juliana Miller projected for ownership in the teens, one of the lowest owned fighters on the entire card. Overall, like I don't think this is a great fight to target, but we do have Santos projected to be somewhat popular. She's projected for north of 20% ownership. And Juliana Miller, at least when she won on the Ultimate Fighter finale to get her UFC contract, she got a third-round finish against Brogan Walker. She landed four takedowns. She held nine and a half minutes of control time. I do think there is a chance here that Juliana Miller, if she can make improvements over whatever the hell happened in her last fight where she looked terrible against Veronica Hardy, something else to consider too. Maybe Veronica Hardy has just made improvements by the fact that she took a long layoff. She's married to Dan Hardy, who's a really good MMA mind now. So maybe part of that fight too is just Juliana Miller fighting an opponent who is better than what we thought that she actually is. But Juliana Miller, 110 strikes in the, her win over Brogan Walker, lands four takedowns, a bunch of control time. If she comes out here against the newcomer in Santos and able to implement her game plan, we've seen that she's a pretty fantasy-friendly scorer, and there are not a lot of underdogs that I've talked about that I really like a ton on this fight. Like, There's some that I'm willing to take chances on. I'm willing to take a chance on Isaac Dolgarian. I'm willing to you know, take chances here or there on somebody like a, uh, 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 Dobson, because it's a fight that I don't really have a strong lean on. He's just the underdog. Don't love that fight. But anyway, what I'm getting to is when there's a lack of underdogs that I really like, I'll take a shot on Juliana Miller when everybody is turned on her after how she fought in her last fight. It's with minimal confidence, but it's more of an ownership play on Juliana Miller, where we've seen that she's somebody who has DraftKings scoring potential. She's cheap, nobody's playing her, and it's really hard to find underdogs that we really like for this event. So now let's go ahead and look at Rainmakers. And uh, like I said at the top, guys, if you guys want to sign up for Rainmakers, it's totally free. And when you use the link below, you are going to get a starters pack for PGA as well. In the captain spot, I primarily want to be playing either Vicente Luque or Rafael Dos Anjos, with it being a five-round main event and two action fighters. I think the winner should score well. I'll go with Luque as my captain in this matchup. Need to play one other elite. I'm going to go with a Khalil Roundtree. Talked about all the finishing equity I think he has in this matchup. And then I'll just pull out some safer plays as well. Marcus McGee, very safe pick to win. We don't have to worry about any kind of salary cap in Rainmakers. Terrence McKinney, if he wins, it should be in the first couple of minutes. We got Blackshear, who has a lot of upside that we talked about in the wrestling. Akeem Dawadu fighting an older fighter in Cub Swanson. A lot of finishing equity in Dawadu. I'll throw Blackshear into this lineup, though. And yeah, so we got exposure to the main event. We've got Khalil Roundtree, who's a big favorite, or not quite as big of a favorite as somebody like a Marcus McGee or a Josh Fremd or anything like that. So we should be a little bit lesser owned in the higher stakes contests than those guys. And then McKinney and Blackshear also to round out the lineup. So. There's my first Rainmakers lineup of the week. And why is it not submitting? There we go. Oh, we got to check my location. Pass the location test. There we go. All right, guys. Thank you very much for watching. I don't have as many bets for this card. Don't have as many strong leans as I've had for previous cards. I think it's a little bit of a dicey card, but I did have the one bet that I have. Lucindo, plus money to win by decision. Best available line, plus 165. Guys, thank you very much for watching. I appreciate all the support. We've been doing really well around here, and you guys have left me a lot of really kind comments. I appreciate it. If you want to sign up for any of the packages we have over at stochastic.com, which really helped me build out my lineups, and I use our ownership to build out my MMA lineups, all available by either the MMA package. There's a link for below. That'll get you 50% off. Or if you want access to all the data and tools we have for every single DFS sport, 
Stochastic Plus Platinum Package will have you covered for that. Thank you very much for watching, guys. If you could do it, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Good luck. I'll be back next week. Main event that I'm really looking forward to, UFC 292, Aljamain Sterling and Sugar Sean O'Malley. We'll be breaking that one down next week. See you guys then. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.